and your dog is very happy to hear me. Indeed, I, I've noticed. I listened to uh, to the last couple of shows I listened to this week, or bits of them at least. And uh, yeah, she does figure quite uh, prominently in in quite a lot of the shows. Uh, I, I believe she is now at the foot of the garden. It's now dark here. Um, uh, peep behind the curtain. It's half past eight my time, and uh, yet she's uh, she's just barking at people who've got the audacity to be awake and near uh, in their house <laughs> doing their own thing. Um, but all day she has been lying on the sofa, going or the poodle equivalent of, "Ugh, it's hot." <laughs> uh, it's been a little bit steamy here today. Mm, it hasn't mm. here. Newsflash. <laughs> Northern Ireland climate, not exactly warm. Damp. Yeah. Damp is the prevailing Ever. adjective. Hmm. Uh, well, just to annoy lots of different people, moist. <laughs> Megan despises that word. If she's listening, I'm sorry. He said it, not me. <laughs> yeah, there you go. It, as ever, it's Stuart's fault. <laughs> uh, a phrase that my friends have used many, many times. Um, right. Well, You're sounding a little are, bit, uh, a little recording bit away. cold, a little bit sniffly. I'm just just aiming for sort of gruff and sexy, really. I mean, you got that too. I mean, you you bring that every week, but I'm sensing like a <laughs> a nasally congestion. Uh, yes, well, uh, I'm sure in the edit you can cut out that snorting. <laughs> Yo, do you and, want to be uh, French? I just sound great. Portuguese. I can do anything <laughs> in the edit. <laughs> I have faith in you. Um, right. So I tell you what. Let's get on with it. Um, yep. Yep. Writing. I am writing. I think I think we actually share this one. I am writing yep. in a prototype notebook from uh, Norderly, uh, who, uh, well, the clue's in the name. They come from the Nord, which is foreign for the North. <laughs> and uh, it's, uh, it's uh, somebody from our Slack group. Uh, I don't think that's where he was born. I think he was probably born in Norway. But uh, he's uh, launching a new, or has launched, I believe, a new notebook company called Norderly. Uh Needless to say, uh, Nero's will be bringing that to the UK market and beyond. Um, but I think, actually, um, we may have to look this up, but I think he's selling directly from his own site already, uh, dispatching from Norway, which might bring all sorts mm, of complications yes. uh, to our international I think listeners. I dropped you in it earlier, actually, because I posted uh, a picture of mine and someone said, oh, that's cool, where'd you get it? And I was like, well, I, I got it from them, but you can definitely buy them at Nero's Notes. And I'm like, but they're not on the site. I was like, ah, I've just assumed. Yeah. <laughs> Thir- 13 or 14 apologies yeah. and going, go there, coming soon. And it's fine. It's, it's all right. I had nothing to do that day anyway. Sorry. So. <laughs> no, it's great. People, people are interested. And, in, in, you know, that's a great problem yes. to have if you're in the business of selling <laughs> notebooks. Uh, so I'm writing in that. Uh, I'm still using my Blackwing 811, which is now, uh, it's in that perfect sort of Steinbeck mode. Mm-hmm. And then in about... I would guess probably by the end of the podcast, it will be uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, and then it'll get worked down to a nub quite quickly. Because that's, that's the way I roll. Um, and I'm still using my endless recorder, which is a Tomoe River paper uh, for my bullet journal. Um, and I have a box full of new kit. Um, as, as regular listeners will know, I've recently been back to the UK. Uh, where I looked at lots of new kits and said, put all that in a box and send it to me. Um, because I, I was certainly not going to pay, uh, carry it on an aeroplane. Um, so yeah, it's lots of exciting things for me. What about you? What are you writing in and on? 
I'm still writing on the Northerly, which I've had for about a week now, same as you. Uh, lovely, lovely notebook. I'm really enjoying it. Took it up the North Coast. Uh, and I'm writing with a Steeler tradition, which is on the cusp of uncomfortability. So it's it's in the Steeler, sorry, not the Steeler, it's in the Steinbeck um, area. You know, it's, it is beyond, I think, proper Steinbeck stage and into uncomfortable territory. But it'll be used up. And I've been... I've been kicking this one around for a couple of months. I just need to use the thing and, and finish it. Okay, cool. So uh, you're getting on with the book as well. You like the like the paper? Mm, I really like it. I think it's really, really nice. Um, I just finished. Well, actually, I didn't finish, but I did retire. Uh, Field Notes, uh, what do you call the drivey one? Um, mile Marker. Yep. Uh, I got caught in the rain. Uh, we were coming out of Belfast the other day. And I mean caught, like it was proper downpour, the heaviest rain I've seen in a long, long time. Uh, and I did not bring the umbrella for reasons unknown. I looked at the sky, looked at the large golf umbrella that I had with me and thought, not today. And yeah. I shouldn't, I shouldn't have. And so I was drenched through. Uh, nope, my, my phone was waterproof. My notebook is not. Uh, and so the notebook disintegrated a bit. And so I thought rather than try and sell a tape and repair and, it was over halfway, and I thought, eh, it's probably just best to retire this one, put it in the archive, let it dry out. This was after it had been on, on the radiator overnight to try and salvage, but no, I think it's it's ready to be put in the, the archival box rather than try to be manhandled in my pocket for another couple of weeks. Well, and now it's been immortalized on uh, episode 84 of 1857. So. <laughs> uh. I have footage of the rain. Because my phone is waterproof, I took footage in the rain. I'll see if I can get that up for people to see because it was it was immense. It was the real thing, yeah. We, I have mm. to say we've had some rain um, in Cyprus in August, which is in itself uh, an event. Uh, but when you get a summer <laughs> storm in the Eastern Med, you, you get a summer storm. Um, it delivers. It, yeah, I mean, it, it may be dry 36 yards from where you're standing. <laughs> But where, but where you are standing, it really, really is wet. Um, Local ro- mm. roads become rivers. I mean, it's ferocious. Um, cool. All right then. So yeah, I, I just back on the Nordly. Um, it's a it's a grid, uh, the mm-hmm. paper, and I think the first run uh, from a, a recent Slack conversation. I think the first run is going to be grid. Uh, it's a lovely grid. It's quite a nice sort of. Yeah. It's, it's, it's all. It's all. <clears throat> Shades of grey, really. The uh, the cover of the book, the grid itself. Um, I hate to say it, it's very Scandinavian. You know, it's got that sort of clean look. Um, you got to bring your own hygge. Yeah, quite. Um, but it, yeah, it writes really well. I've written in it. Um, my first page is, as always, is like six or seven fountain pens. Yeah. Uh, which it's handled okay. And then uh, I suppose I'm about 10, 15 pages in. And it's uh, it's mostly pencil and a rollerball that I'm playing with at the moment, but we'll talk about that mm. some of the time. But yeah, uh, we will have these soon. Um, I think they are going to sell very well. Uh, they're great little books. Um, really, really nice books. Very much in the sort of, if I could say it, the sort of field notes mold. Um, they're quite utilitarian and look and feel, but they're very nicely put together. Yeah, distinctly so, European, I think, which is nice. Yeah, yeah. And I think, yeah, well done, Andre, I think. This is, mm-hmm. this is a very promising start, young man, he said, in his patronizing <laughs> older man tone. Uh, what about watching? Are you watching anything good? Yeah, so I went to the cinema and saw Tarantino's new flick, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which was, it was really, really interesting and I really enjoyed it. But I think a lot of that was because I went to film school. And that's not me trying to sound 
standoffish and snobby. It's that I'm going, if this was watched at a superficial level, I could be bored. Because I've seen a lot of his other films and because I'm referencing a lot of the things that he's looking at and going, oh, I guess he might be talking about this and looking things up. And it's more of an academic exercise than an entertainment, you know, okay. two hours. Um, I think I'm getting more out of it. It was it was good and it was really enjoyable. And it was a really good character development story. But I think people could get bored in the middle because it takes a long time to go anywhere. I've heard several reviewers, um, not my favorite reviewers, I have to say, but several reviewers say that it, uh, they've enjoyed the movie the further they've got away from it. So, <laughs> I mean, yeah, 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 referring back to it, and it's like, oh, that's what that was. Oh, oh, yeah. Which is, I suppose, a kind of Tarantino trope. I mean, that that's been said of several of his movies. I think. Yeah, he makes films that he wants to make and is unapologetic about doing so, and that's sure. something to be respected in of itself. Yeah, and he's got, um, from memory, there's a couple of A-listers at the top of that bill, are there not? Yeah, big, big names. Margot Robbie was in it. Um, that's not at all the top headline. The two main it's people, Brad, Brad, Brad Pitt. Pitt and uh, Leo. Leo DiCaprio, yeah. Mm. Yeah, okay. Well, I suppose that's that's about as high as you can go on the A-list in Hollywood, I would have thought. <laughs> it's up there. Worth seeing, but um, one to watch with, with the, it's a Tarantino film in mind. Uh-huh. So do you think it's going to be the sort of, you know, the classic Tarantino or not? Uh, I think it has a lot of sort of competition at the minute. There's a lot of other films coming out that people will be excited about. Um, mm-hmm. People who like film studies, like I do, will enjoy it. Uh, I think it could potentially miss out because people are like, that was fun, I guess. And there's some really good scenes in it, but it it, it wants you to get it down the rabbit hole of references and cinematic technique and, and you know, arca- like it's basically pop culture from the brain of Tarantino. That's what these films are. It's just him going, sure. I love this and I also love this and I like this and I think this is cool. And just throwing it on scene. Um, it, it, I don't want to give too much away by, by calling out plot points because it's a good one. It's worth seeing. But mm-hmm. it is, um, it's someone who loves movies making a movie. And I think that's true of all of his films. Okay. Right, cool. Well, I, I'm I'm not going to rush to any cinema because that's no. quite an adventure in this part of the world. But um, <laughs> yeah, I'll definitely uh, keep an eye for, for it. It'll turn up on some illegal yeah. dodgy television service fairly soon, <laughs> I would have thought. I've also been um, watching the Peaky Blinders. Oh, Peaky Blinders. Peaky Blinders. Which um, which uh, season are you on? Season two. Okay. Sam Neill, my good bud, fellow mm-hmm. uh, Northern Irishman. Um, he's still there. You kind of gave me a cryptic, uh, I wouldn't get too attached. So I've been expecting his demise from the first episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we're season two, episode four or five or something. And he's I still know. kicking. So I'm enjoying it. I I, I think it's, I, I, as I've said before, I think it's the best thing as we made TV for a long time. And yeah. uh, the, the new one, I think, goes on terrestrial this weekend, I want to say. Uh, yeah, as it's we very, record. very soon. So um, that, that'll be, be out. out. Um, and I think they'll release it all. All episodes will go onto the um, iPlayer or whatever about the same mm-hmm. time. I think there was actually an advert for it in the cinema. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's this whole melding of me. It's too much mm. for old people like me. Who have no idea what's going <laughs> on, dude. <laughs> you want the movies where they just stop one movie and put the next one on back to back and don't really stop and play the newsreels in the middle. Well, in many ways, I think I've I've crossed that Rubicon where. 
uh, your generation understands all this this media. Um, I don't, so I approach it as if I was seven. And <laughs> the sudden ability to binge, you've been through binge and got to the other side. I haven't. <laughs> you're still, so, still enjoying it? So you spoke to me about, okay, well, yeah, for the fly, maybe you should get Stranger Things. Now, I don't know where you are in Stranger Things 3, but I, I suspect, it. okay, well, I'm not far behind you. <laughs> okay, that is a proper binge. <laughs> yeah, so uh, two five-hour flights clearly would help. Um, but yeah, we went through, or oh, we being me, uh, I went through Stranger Things, uh, which I think was absolutely superb. Good. Um, and I think uh, they nailed being young-ish in the 80s. They Brilliant. Um, I have no idea how old the Duffer brothers are, but I'm, I'm going to guess we'd have a lot in common. It was fantastic. What an amazing series. And it, it's interesting because it's set in, what, 89, 88, late 80s, anyway. No, 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 earlier than that, 82. Is it? Mm. Is it that early? Stranger yeah. Things 2 starts in 84. Oh, it's, man. It's a year before that, so 83. Jeez. So, yeah, it's like a full, like, if I was their age, about you know, 12, 13, it's a good 20 years. Yeah. It's funny because there's, there's things in there that I'm going, I remember stuff like that. And mm-hmm. this is all filtered through the lens of like, i from Northern Ireland. We didn't have malls like that. Sure. We didn't have cinemas like that. But I watched TV and yeah, saw the, things like that. And I went yeah, to the places malls that and had. stuff is, is yeah. Stranger Things too. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But just the whole thing, it, it made me nostalgic for a time I wasn't born in. Yeah. Yeah. I can understand because, it, uh, I mean, you mentioned it before, it references back a sort of pop culture view of the 80s. Mm. But a lot of that is accurate. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I would have been, in 83, I would have been 13. So, so it really, on. yeah, it's, it's hit the nail on the head. And there, is, uh, there are songs that I heard. I thought the, the music stuff, which again, you'd mentioned, at the beginning of the season was incredible. And then they, the writers just got, all excited with themselves and, and forgot about some of the referencing. And so yeah. the, the, the music references sort of tailed off towards the, the end of the season, which was fine because the, the narrative was really moving on. I mean, it's brilliantly written. It was brilliantly shot. It's fantastic. I think Stranger Things 2 wasn't as good. And then what do you um, think? What do you, do you think currently of the third? Um, I, um, I listened to somebody else talking about this on a podcast and I don't just want to, um, reproduce what he said but i think he got it absolutely right there was john syracuse who was talking about it and it's that awkward thing now where you've got these kids with whom uh certainly me as a watcher uh, or viewer as i think we say in english um i identified with these kids and and yeah. to a certain extent sort of for the sake of watching the episodes i, I become those kids uh and then now we've got puberty and hormones and these kids, both as actors and characters, are becoming sort of young adults. Um, and, well, spoiler alert, young adults are, are difficult creatures. Um, <laughs> yeah. And it's difficult then, I think, to intertwine the narrative with all that's going on. Um, I mean, there, there are some references that still have me absolutely 
uh, sort of transfixed. There's the um, again, it's not a, not a spoiler. I don't think the snowball. Do you remember the snowball, which I think is the end of two or the start of three? The dance. Yeah. Yeah. When Dustin uh, gets a dance with uh, Nancy. Yeah. 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 Okay. Every male of my generation was secretly cheering when that happened. <laughs> See, I'm looking at that going, that's just like Back to the Future 1. Yeah, and the reason it's like Back to the Future 1 was because Back to the Future 1 had every male of my age cheering. Yeah, that's that's just how it was for us. Um, Yeah. And I wasn't particularly geeky, but (laughs) nevertheless, I was still, oh, dear. And I, you know, I found myself lusting after Nancy and I'm I'm nearly 50. There's all sorts of weird cross lines now. Because it was the thirteen-year-old me that was lusting after Nancy. Just, just to be clear, yeah. Um, but, uh, <laughs> For any authorities listening, in. <laughs> exactly. Uh, that was brilliant. It's really good. I'm enjoying it. Um, I, I, I suspect that, that as I get to the end of, of three, it won't be as good as one. Uh, but nevertheless, I mean, it's very, very, very watchable. And, I suppose uh, you're I, in the unique position and the, the nice position of being able to watch it as a, a trilogy. You know, you're not watching one season, then winning, then second season, then winning. Sure. You're watching the three as a cohesive. So instead of yeah. judging it on the basis of seasons, judge it as an arc. Mm. Indeed, much much like you with Peaky Blinders, you're going to see a huge progression as you follow that. Through, yeah, because there's, I think it's four seasons already. Is it the fifth one that's coming? Yeah, out? Yeah, the fifth one's coming out. And it's already jumped. Like the first to second season is a two year jump. Mm. So that was substantial already. I was like, oh, okay, here we go. Oh, right. Yeah, okay. Yep. Yeah. And there's there's more of that to come. So, um, yeah, brilliant, brilliant and, and terrible because I'd sort of got, got to a place where I'd you know started cancelling subscriptions left, right, and centre. And well, I've, I've got a feeling the uh, the Netflix one might be coming back. Um, <laughs> Scoop. Uh, and then uh, this afternoon, in fact, as the heat got well hot, he said, um, I thought. I'm just going to watch a movie now. I'm going to sit under the fan with various and sundry doors open, trying to create a breeze um, and watch a movie. And one of the movie channels that I have uh, is showing Star Wars, all of it. Um, all of the various wars of star. Yes. In, in various and sundry orders. And because I've got the sort of playback thing, I just went straight to yesterday and thought, okay, let's pick one rather than the one that happens to be on. And I, I wasn't sure if I'd ever watched The Phantom Menace, watched it properly. Um, yeah. Uh, so I did. Yeah, okay. You know. <laughs> Best part of that film is the, the music, Jewel of the Fates, that is at the end. And this uh-huh. is not a spoiler alert because this film's like 20 years old. Um, at the end where Darth Maul is fighting uh, Obi-Wan, mm-hmm. there's an amazing piece of music that comes on that is... It wasn't an original song because it obviously came with the prequels, which were mm-hmm. much later than the original Star Wars songs. But it is one of the most iconic pieces of Star Wars music ever. Uh huh. It's very. Yeah. I'll not sing it, but you you know the one I'm talking about. Sure, I do. I do. Because the fight itself is a little bit um, anticlimactic. <laughs> um, yep. It's yeah. You know, there's there's you know the bad guy has got a special light. If for anybody who hasn't seen it, he's got a special lightsaber that sort of goes two ways, and he's fighting two good guys. Eventually, his little lightsaber gets broken in half, but then he kills one of the good guys, and then in a very sort of contrived and uninspiring way, the other good guy kills him, 
and I don't know. I well, just felt it really lacked suspense, and it was yeah. Just, Have you seen ugh. Solo, a Star Wars? No, story? It, it's on that whole sort of series, and I, I I resisted the temptation to sort of close all the windows and lock my wife out and say, right, I'm going to watch movies for 14 hours. But um, I, I have to say, it, it's one of those things. If Margaret was away for a weekend, I suspect I would do that. <laughs> I just, I'm going to watch the whole thing all the way through um, just to say I've done it I suppose but uh, no I am going to watch Solo because I've heard sort of mixed reviews of that as well mm. okay fair enough cool but anyway that was, yeah, watching stuff on TV is most unlike me uh, listening listening um, well because I was travelling and I was away and I was having to do real worky work um, I got uh, quite sort of snowed in in my podcast uh, and of course, when that happens, that's instantly when people start recommending other podcasts to you. Um, yeah. Uh, so I listened to one that um, Teresa from the Slack uh, pointed me to, which is called Bartender Journey. Uh, and the particular episode was about uh, Marie Teresa Rum, which is made in Venezuela, of all places. Uh as you may gather, it's alcohol, therefore I'll drink it. But rum is not <laughs> is not necessarily at the top of my list. But this was a fascinating story, um, and it's a little insight into Venezuela, which is at the moment has got. Um, I wrote some stuff in my notebook about this. Uh, I think the official the official inflation rate is a hundred and fifty thousand percent. That's not uh, ideal. Which. I can imagine might be a little taxing. And um, uh, here we go. The opposition would claim that it's actually realistically more like 2 million percent. Um, when in a restaurant, you're recommended to pay course by course because it will get appreciably more expensive by the end of the meal. Oh, hmm. what? So that's. Oh, dear. Yeah, that's something that I'd never really thought about. Um, that's but, crazy. Can I prepay? But, Can I do like a buffet yeah, system when I pay now? Exactly. Uh, but yeah, it, it gets a little bit sort of inside baseball about the making of this rum and stuff, which, uh, you know, I, I like alcohol. It's fine. Uh, and then they started talking about how they were um, they were reaching out to the criminal classes, to uh, people in jail, people who've just been released from jail, gangs. Uh, and this company had started employing these guys. And then it combined in with one of my great loves, which is rugby. And they were they were sponsoring teams, and in fact, the sort of last four championships in Venezuela have been run by the, the sort of convict rum team, uh, if you like. And it was just it was a really positive and an interesting podcast. So that was great. Mm. I discovered that, which I enjoyed. Uh, and of that, yeah, all my usual uh, suspects. What about you? You been listening to anything good? Uh, yes. Uh, so Dinosaur Park was the first podcast I was listening to. And then Dinosaur World. And then I just finished literally this morning Dinosaur Universe, which is kind of like the third part of that strange role-playing system podcast. Um, fantastic. Never has a podcast or a, an audio um, contraption made me smile and laugh so much in public. I look like a crazy person on my way to work. Three people have separately mentioned to me that I must be either speaking to someone or listening to something very, very interesting or funny because I look insane walking between the train and on our building because i'm just grinning or laughing um which is a good fantastic something good to say and this is again not for everyone sans pants radio but it is really really good if you listen to it and don't like it don't keep listening if you listen to it and giggle there's loads of it and it's fantastic excellent 
Oh, music, by the way. I, I've been listening mm. to some, some new music that somebody, and I forget who, uh, pointed me to. Uh, it's by Anna of the North. Not Nanook. <laughs> Potentially, I don't know. Um, I, I literally <laughs> typed that into my Apple Music search bar, and it came up with a whole load of singles. And uh, I, I was just listening to one before we started recording, and it's sort of uh, electronic pop type vibe. Um, but yeah, I, mm. I was quite taken by it. So I'm listen to some more of that. If my dog ever starts barking, <laughs> she's just singing along yeah, to the songs in her head. <laughs> Again, I think I think she's down at the bottom of the garden, just just shouting at the Russian lady who lives opposite. <laughs> yeah, I'll I'll give that one a listen. That sounds pretty good. Um, yeah. As a a re- sort of response, a call and response to your suggestion. I'm going to suggest your music. I don't think you're going to like. Okay. Um, <laughs> Gee, thanks. The, the band is called Master Boot Record, and it's essentially chip metal. Of course, it is. Which is so. W- did you play like a Commodore 64, or a Super Nintendo, or anything like that when you were younger? Yeah, yeah, I had a Commodore 64. Yeah. Yeah, so you know the kind of the the sounds that one of those would make to, to the sound chip would generate tones and yep. things like that. Imagine that with heavy metal. Okay. Yeah, master I'm boot record. Just stick to it on. That. Yeah, it's it's all kinds of interesting, and I stumbled across it by accident, and was thoroughly impressed, and had it blasting from my office yesterday afternoon while I was finishing some uh, some. Rather boring things, and it really kept me going. Um, if again, this is another one of those listen to the first part of the first song. If you like it, it's all very similar. If you hate it, just stop. Don't don't do yourself a disservice. It's not going to get better. Right, you are. I, I have to say, it sounds weird. I'll give it a go. Mm. Reading. You reading anything good? Yeah, I actually, I'm reading a a real book for a change. Um, and it's a book that I, I actually hokied it out from a pile of books that I have not yet built a bookshelf to house um, because I was looking for a different book. I didn't want to read this book, but it's the second best version of the book I wanted to read. Which so the is book I was ironic for, when you read the title. <laughs> it, <laughs> yeah. So the book I was looking for was my copy of Meditations by Marcus Aurelius, who's a mm-hmm. Stoic philosopher. Indeed. I was looking for that because I wanted to read up on a few things that I was thinking about. Couldn't find it for the life of me. Don't know where I've put it. So I'll probably end up buying it again because I, I've i looked everywhere books are housed in this house and I can't find it. Um, but in doing that, I found a book called The Obstacle is the Way by Ryan Holiday, which is essentially a distillation of Epictetus and Marcus Aurelius and several other Stoic philosophers. And so it's, it's, it's a little bit like the poppy kind of self-help version of you know stoicism mm-hmm. but there's some really really interesting and useful things in there and it's a, it's a good book that i've enjoyed reading before this is probably the third time i've read it um it's not quite what i wanted i wanted kind of the the raw thoughts and feelings and, and the actual stoic philosophy but this is a pretty good amalgam until i buy the other books sure i'm just uh searching my email because i'm almost certain that i got an email from Ryan Holiday today. Really? Um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, not, you know, he didn't personally reach out and say, hey, Stu, how are you doing? Um, he's probably trying to sell me something. Um, 
don't know if he's released another book or... That's entirely possible. I think he's done two or three at this point. Yeah, I think... And I don't know whether I... Um... Yes, look at... Here we go, look at that. The memory isn't, isn't going... Stillness is the Key by Ryan Holiday. Well, there you go. Number one best-selling Free author pro. of The Obstacle is the Way and Ego is the Enemy. Mm. Uh, so, And this is the final part of the trilogy. Um, I think it probably says, TJ, if you don't buy this, you'll you'll just spontaneously combust. Yeah, disintegrate. Uh, but you can buy it in audio or ebook or physical, and you can claim bonuses, and oh, it's it's all happening. I will tell you. Um, mm. So there you are. If you finish the obstacle, is the way. Feel feel free to uh, get into stillness. Is the key. <laughs> nine is the nine. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and on the cover is a must read in our noisy world. Uh, so said uh, Angela Duckworth, the best selling author of Grit. Yeah. If Angela likes it, I'm on board. Well, uh, yeah. Indeed. Yes, you can't argue with Angela, can you? Right. <laughs> Sorry about that <laughs> slight tangent. Talk? It's just the, the name suddenly <laughs> sort of triggered me a bit there. Uh, I'm not really reading anything. I've, I've got lots written down here because the two books that I started last time we spoke, um, I think they remain pretty much exactly at the same spot they were then. Uh, so mm. Bird Box uh, by Josh Malaman, which I started watching the movie and then sort of aborted. Yeah, uh, be- because both uh, my wife and her sister were sort of passing out with boredom. Um, and then Bitter Lemons of Cyprus, which clearly has relevance to where I live, uh, by Lawrence Durrell. Um, and that, that fellow could write. Uh, and I'm told it's a seminal piece of work. So um, I just go. haven't had time, to be honest. It's all that working stuff. <laughs> it's bad for me. Yeah, it gets in the way. Right, drinking. Uh, <laughs> Well, nothing exciting oh. i tried to find a beer because you said beer on the on your message to me you're like i'm waiting got a beer all good to go and i was like ah mm-hmm. oh, wish i had a beer i didn't buy it. i didn't have the foresight to buy beer rue i will rue the day that i decided not to buy further beer for this house uh, well I, obviously tj i've got about 600 beers but clearly i'm a long <laughs> way away there's a geographical problem between us i'm afraid Indeed, and I've I've just as we uh, as you were talking there, I've just finished my second. It's not a Kio. I'm drinking Carlsberg, the alternate brand here in Cyprus, um, just for variety this evening. And uh, the minute that I get you onto a subject on which you are going to speak prolifically, I'm going to go and put some ice in a glass and have brandy. Shan't be um, too hard. Yeah, as as you uh, as you have already noted, um, I'm a little bit coldy. Uh, so I feel fully justified in having brandy. It's it's medicinal, yeah, medicinal. don't you know? Medicinal, yeah. what? <laughs> mm, yeah, no, nothing fun on this end. Black coffee still, uh, if I drink it at all. And then I'm, I'm mostly waiting to the afternoons to get an actual coffee with milk. But there is a there's a development in buying that may well oh. change the drinking equation. And oh. we'll get on to it in the next section. I was going to say, tell me now then, what have you been buying? So I bought many things. Um, so it was my birthday at the start of the month. And so I got a few vouchers, a few other bits and bobs, which is nice. And thank you to everyone for their wonderful gifts and well wishes. But I had to basically use up vouchers from a, a large swathe of different retailers. So, and I also had, um, money from work from doing a a research thing. And so I was able to get a, a, an Amazon voucher. 
so I had money set aside in different areas and I was like, right, I need to use all these because if I don't, I'll just forget and these will just sit in the drawer and I'll never use them. So I went around and sort of collected all the things I thought, right, I definitely need to get that sorted. Let me have a look. One, sorry, one, sorry. And so I ended up placing a couple of orders for a couple of different things in different places and then spent last weekend rounding them up and the rest of them have yet to arrive from Amazon. But amongst them was a coffee machine. Oh. And that coffee machine, I think it's either similar to or the actual one that you told me about before. It's an Espresso Krups Essenzo, which is like a little pod machine that does espresso. Yep. Um, so it uses the, the Nespresso pods and it's a little tiny thin machine. It's, it is minuscule, which mm-hmm. I liked. Um, and I got a very good price for it. And you can get the, the capsules from Nespresso or on Amazon or, in fact, from many of the, the local supermarkets here they do their own little brands for very very little money yeah for sure yep i i think um i mean the crups one i've got a crups one i've got another one i want to say magimix but i'm sure that's not what it's called no no i think you're right i've seen a magimix one there are several several brands that make them they're all very very similar um as you say what's great about them is it's just a little water reservoir at the back you can fill it from the tap or a little bottle of water and boom you're away uh, and you can have, I've got to be honest, pretty good espresso just sitting at your desk. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that was the idea, right? Get nice coffee in mm. smaller portions. Uh, yeah. So if I want to do two shots over milk and froth it, I can do that. But if I just want a really good espresso or a lungo in the technical term, which is essentially an Americana with a different name, um, I can do that with little pod which they can be recycled, which is nice to see. Uh, and I can kind of just get that quickly rather than faffing around with all kinds of stuff. Because I make filter coffee a lot of the time. Filter coffee is an Americano not. You know, it, it is not sure. the same. Yeah, yeah um, no, definitely. So having something quick, easy and strong is probably quite good for... If I'm going to drink black coffee, I'd rather drink a really nice espresso quickly. You know, like a, oh, that was good. I enjoyed that. Rather than a long, drawn out, this is fine, I suppose, but I miss milk. Well, sure. I mean, another one you can try um, uh, four weeks next Thursday when the sun comes out. Uh, <laughs> just uh, make a little espresso and just pour it over a glass of ice. Mm, see, I've done that before in the past. Uh, and right. ice, affogato over ice cream is uh-huh. fantastic. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool. It's probably not compatible with 16-8 fasting, but <laughs> mm. <laughs> it's pretty good. Um, see, I, I can evening, see this. I oh, it's it's a it's a later on nine o'clock, right before I go to bed and just not sleep. Um, <laughs> it, I think it's going to change the equation on drinking. I think next time we record, because it's due to arrive later this week, and once it arrives, I'll do lots of nice photos of it and, and basically dive in deep and get all the different pods and display those pods artistically and all that nonsense. But I suspect next week when we record, it'll be. Oh, I'm drinking espresso, of course, uh, from a <laughs> tiny cup with my finger, my pinky finger extended. Oh, we can we can have a cup off. <laughs> I, th- I think we only brought uh, about thirty percent of our collection here, so we've only got about sixteen sets. Um, oh, it's, of espresso cups, or yeah, just be careful with espresso cups; they breed. <laughs> because Meg loves mugs, well, mugs of any thing- variety. Yeah, the thing is, your friends, they, they kind of go, oh, yeah, TJ, he likes espresso. Let's just get in that little pack of six there. Oh, look at that. Isn't that cute? Oh, look at that. And 
uh, Nespresso will be saying to you, buy 25 tubes of espresso, which you're going to buy anyway, and we will give yeah. you a free set of glasses. And before you know it, you're drowning the bloody things. Have you ever served six simultaneous or consecutive espressos to necessitate having six in a pack of six? Well, I, this is slightly unfair. I'm married to an Italian. So <laughs> in fairness, I've served 24 espressos. Oh, okay. Okay. In one go, yeah. reasonably regularly, um, because that's that's what <laughs> that's what Italians do. Um, whereas uh, you know your culture, sort of, you know, I suppose our culture, the Celtic one, you walk through someone's door, it's likely to be a cup of tea is going to be offered. Oh, it's tea. I appreciate yeah. you're not going to drink it, or a drink, depending on a the season and b the time of day, and I suppose also the the company. I mean. I'm more Scottish than Irish, and certainly it would almost certainly be tea or, or uh, will, we, will you have a drink? Will you have um, a wee one? Aye. <laughs> will we have a wee drink? Um, uh, I think I've probably told the anecdote about the first time we went to the tattoo. If I haven't, I will some other time. But um, yeah, the, the Italians come around for coffee. So they pop around and... Uh, it's it's a really difficult adjustment for me because I'm I'm awful at small talk, I just, I, I just <laughs> which is weird for somebody who podcasts, but I just can't be bothered, frankly. And and so I, I somebody says to me, "Should we go for a coffee?" That is a thirty second event for me. So now the when, coffee is complete. What next? <laughs> yes, when I was working in Italy, we would literally we would go into a coffee shop. You have a little bit of banter with the guy who's making your coffee. He gives you espresso. You bang it down. You go back. Well, done, finished. It doesn't work like that with real Italians, and it doesn't work well with real people. It's me, I'll admit it. But they come round, hey, we come for a coffee. That means they're going to be with you for about four days. You know, <laughs> you can have meal breaks during this coffee. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think they're amazing. As I said, Margaret and I did not renew our big, all singing, dancing, grinding, super duper espresso machine. Because these little Nespresso capsule things were, eh, they're not as good, but they're not far off. Eighty twenty. Yeah, a lot less hassle too. So that's mm. good. You've got you've got one of those coming. And the next item was on my list, my secret show note, the one you don't get to see, uh, on uh, things I have to ask TJ. Your next item is fridge paint. Fridge yeah. update, ladies and gentlemen. A fridge update. It's a new section. Fridge update. <laughs> How's your fridge? Oh, uh, big, cold. <laughs> Spot on. That's all we can ask for in these days. Mm-hmm. Um, fridge paint. I've ordered green blackboard paint uh, and a duster, like a chalkboard duster. And get this, because of course it exists, the Blackwing of Chalk. The Blackwing of Chalk. Favoured by mathematicians and physicists worldwide. I'm not even kidding at this point. This is not in any way facetious. There is a black wing of chalk, and I have ordered some, and I might do a video on it, but mostly I just wanted some. Well, uh, uh, tell me more about the black wing of chalk. Well, you don't know yet because you haven't got it. I don't know. It's calcium carbonate. It's very, very fine. It's very, very smooth. That's all I know. Mm. And this is going to be given to Meg, and you're going to stand sort of above her and say, do something artistic now. Do do something exciting. Or I'll uh, imitate The Simpsons and make her write, I will not write on my fridge 500 times on the fridge. 
oh, that might be quite cool. A sort of, yeah, like manuscript sort of thing going on. Mm. Black letter, who knows? Uh, Since you've been talking about your fridge paint, which admittedly (laughs) I think was only a couple of weeks ago for us in in recording world, I have been kind of obsessing about it. Really? Yeah. Look, what if your kitchen was a canvas? Yeah, you could paint literally everything and and yeah, your white goods and your cupboard—it could all just be a canvas, and you could. Clearly, I understand that for people with children, this wouldn't work. (laughs) Well, for for people with children, it already is a canvas. Yeah, true. I can't really go. (laughs) Hang on, let me get to the patent office. I'll be right back. Um, (laughs) That's just—it's quite a funky idea, as you say. Just Mm. turning that sort of monolithic fridge. I've just taken a, a photograph of my my office fridge he said stinking of white privilege um but (laughs) the term monolith this is like a duolith i mean it's enormous this thing yeah and it it is fully one third the wall space at the back of my office is this enormous great fridge Uh, which you know has its uh has its plus points but yeah just the idea of being able to make that into a sort of notice board or a sort of to-do list and Something quite, functional, yeah. As, yeah, aside from its normal function, I yeah. suppose. Apart from keeping all my beer cold and my wine available, which is you know, very important too. Uh, so, when do we expect the the fridge art to begin? Is this scheduled? Well, it is arriving this week, uh, and I I'm off next week. I'm, I'm off oh. from Friday this week through next week. Uh, so I'm hoping to be getting those things done. I have another plot point for the next. This is going to be a very long pre-show. But yeah, um, sure. I have lots of t- DIY tasks planned for my week off because who bothers to relax when they're off work? Um, but yeah, I think next week, so maybe next podcast, next app, I might have some updates and a few sneaky Instagram photos, perhaps. I okay, and I mean the follow-up question that's just come. This isn't even on the sneaky show now. Is okay. So is uh, is Borrowdale going to be around next week? Mm. Mm. Well, that's mm. that's one we may have to take offline, Mr. Cosgrove. Because uh, I think so. I've been getting grief from Coeco. <laughs> well, I actually the other thing I bought was new dice. I oh. bought some D and D dice, proper ones. And there's a link in your show note that you'll see, and I'll, I'll put it in in the show note for everybody else to see the dice that I bought. Um, they're made by a company called Chessex, which is very high quality, very well balanced dice. Now they're not expensive. I think they were maybe six fifty uh-huh. for a seven dice set. So that's not yep. much. That's sterling. So like less than ten bucks. Um, and I also bought a giant D twenty, which is just shy of the size of a golf ball um, oh, for doing the the big rolls. But because they're really well balanced, it's not going to roll you fours all day long. So uh-huh. which is what you know. That's the problem with the cheap dice. You've, you've um, got yourself a dice that you fixed. It's going to roll you seventeens all day long. Yeah. Is it? So is that yeah, just 17, so it's not quite a 20, but just like, he's rolling so, good. I say, every time you cast a spell, it's going to be boom. Yeah, done, done. So yeah, Nothing I bought yet. some nice dice, um, and I'm very, very pleased with them. And I have, this isn't in the show note, but I have a confession. Oh. I I cheated on you, Stu. Oh, I, I played be- D&D without you. Oh, good man. Where have you been playing? <laughs> so a couple of guys in work approached me about playing D&D and I was like 
yes, a hundred percent yes. And this is kind of in tandem with us deciding to do it. Are these so are these last, staff staff or students? Oh, I yeah 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 other staff members. Oh, fantastic! Um, and the the Brotherhood of Nerd was strong, and so they <laughs> said let's let's play, and we went into the staff room. That was what last Tuesday, and we were there for about two hours playing, and it was a, it was a one shot, but we didn't get all the way through it, and three of five people had never played before so okay. there's a lot of explaining but yeah, lot, lots of good crack and so. chatting and and enjoying the process um <laughs> one or two times people came in you know because this was you know 5 30 at night so we, we were staying after work to do it and a couple of times people who were maybe working later or in for whatever reason came in and were like what is happening <laughs> it's like walking around the large table going they've got dice and like papers with stats on it is this work related or are they oh they're just weird they're just weird it's fine don't worry <laughs> just leave the staff room leave these creeps to their to their oh fantastic well i'll tell you what will happen is that koeko will fly in literally and turn up <laughs> and and we'll see if we'll see if the dungeon master can work him in as a sort of yeah. Chance meet to perhaps pull you like out of the fire one more time some sort of 60s tv show guest star <laughs> <laughs> oh look there's a fountain pen psychopath <laughs> it was mr rogers all along they pulled the mask off the face i would have got away for it if it wasn't for pesky kids <laughs> so yes we're, we're playing next week again i think they want to try and finish the uh the little one shot and i am i'm on annual leave and i'm going back to work at 5 30 to, to finish D&D. this Good i was like meg man. i've got to go back into work on Tuesday, she's like, "Oh, what's that for?" I'm like, "Um, work stuff, busy." <laughs> I know, I know. Ex- I can actually picture Meg's face, and she's <laughs> she's just very gently eye rolling, going, "Well, yeah, that's that's who he is." <laughs> <laughs> so yes, it's it's good. I'm really enjoying it, and I oh, think brilliant. um. I think we can bring our one. Let's do another episode. I'll speak to Seth. I'll get the band back together. Let me get the party back together. Oh, yeah. I, I, you know, I think uh, I really enjoyed the last one. And the feedback we've had on the, uh, on, from, from the guys listening has been really good, too. Uh, although, honestly, Kawako does want to kill Borodale. <laughs> Um, if you've no may, idea what we're talking about go back about three episodes and watch the sure. D- or listen to the D&D episode it's, we did it's a bonus episode um, it, it, does it have a number? I can't remember, I don't think it does uh, no it doesn't, it's just bonus so yeah. it, it's, I don't know, like between 82 and 83 or 80, 81 and 82 or something like that yeah, something like that anyway, fantastic well, it's funny that you put this in the show note because literally a couple of days after we'd recorded that episode um I got some sort of notification from the App Store. Uh, mm. Somebody, and I've got a feeling that it was the guy behind PCalc, which would be Thompson. I could be making this up, or maybe I dreamt this, I don't know. But there was a sort of uh, an app for D&D dice. Now, there are loads of those. They've been around forever for a long time. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, frankly, part of the joy is having uh, is the dice. real physical analogue dice i mean I, i'm in love with my life fiddle with them while i'm working um but it was uh it was very very clever i just quickly looked at it and i'm really annoyed that i didn't write down what it was or who it was or where because i can't find it anymore but uh yeah there's loads of really good stuff out there and I, it's weird i think D is making a comeback i'm i appreciate that yes i've just sort of stumbled back to it but 
I think that lots of people are stumbling back to it. And, mm. and, and clearly stuff like Stranger Things will do it no harm at all. Will Stranger Things have an official D&D pack? Have you seen that? I I haven't, but I probably would have bought it by the time we finished the episode. Yeah, so you get a little, um, oh, what do you call them? Demogorgon figure. Yep. And you get the, the D, it's basically the D&D starter kit, but reskinned. And so it's it's there now. So I think I'll maybe put together a list of things because I think you could probably cobble together a nice D&D starter pack from Nero's Notes things to get you <laughs> started with a stationary kit. I would say, I, I would say, if you can't, then I'll get them. I'll get them in stock. Fear not. <laughs> when, when I'm gripped by an obsession, I am gripped hard. Uh, what else do you have on your list? You had a little sound bar on your list there. I do, yeah. I've wanted a sound bar for the living room for a long time. I... My dad had a home theater set up in the house uh-huh. ever since we were little. And it was his pride and joy. He'd worked really hard to bring this together. Sure, it was sure. a second bedroom. But it was, it was where I watched every single movie that influenced the sort of early years of my life. So it's where I saw Terminator. It's where I saw um, Back to the Future. It's, it's like the, the place that I remember. Um, I still have the sofa from that room. It's been changed several times since then. But I still have the sofa from that room because it, that's where... I associate with movies. My dad loves a good sound system and had a really good sound system in there, has a pretty good one now in the, the living room of their house. Um, and I've always wanted better sound. I love going to the cinema for the sound and the atmosphere and the, the ambience that you're in it. And the the TV speakers, I didn't even have external speakers. The speakers on my TV in my living room were just not cutting it. And so, I mean, in an ideal world, I'd do a full surround sound system and have the bass bins and and you know the the front and the side and the mid and surround sound full Dolby digital, all that would be good. But I have a wedding next year, and uh-huh. my wife to be doesn't want all that crap in our living room, uh, and doesn't care. She was like she she can't tell the difference between a Blu-ray and a DVD, and has told me thus. And so I've let her listen to the sound bar on and the sound bar off. She's like, yeah, they sound good. I'm like, no, 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 no. one sounds good. One is total trash on what, fire. I'll tell you what, DJ, there is something to this because um, <laughs> I would, uh, given the choice, I listen to music mm-hmm. on volume 47. So okay. when Margaret's out, the windows are literally shaking when I'm listening to rock music, whether that be Elvis <laughs> or the Foo Fighters. The entire village is listening to it as well, whether it likes it or not. And yet, if you put me in a room, if you put me in your dad's room to watch TV, I'd be instantly uncomfortable and instantly un- annoyed. I Too loathe. Light. No, I just loathe uh, surround sound. I don't know why. Really? Yeah, it's just this weird reaction. I just like, oh, oh, what's this? I don't know where it comes from. I don't know what it. Hmm. But I'm, I'm like Meg. I'm yeah, okay, yeah, good. What you spent money on this? You're mad. <laughs> And I'm the first to go and throw money at a at an interest or a hobby. You know, same. I, yeah. When I turn my um, sound system on, then uh, the, it's loud. But I really can't get into. Sound. I don't know what it is. It's the com- the combination of uh, you know people put me in front of massive TV screens with you know the sound bar and the surround. I'm sitting there going, I don't like this. I don't feel very comfortable. I, I, this point is going nowhere because I have absolutely no insight as to why that might be the case. But it's just weird. I, mm. Perhaps well, I bought a, a sign bar. Here. Well, good, good for you. And Meg's gone. That's all right. If you buy speakers, I'll hit you with them. 
Is that what pretty much? Yeah, the soundbar okay. is a a wireless bass bin. It is well, it is Bluetooth, so the signal comes from Bluetooth. It still needs to okay. be plugged in, oh. uh, and then there's a little soundbar that sits underneath the TV, which is quite unobtrusive, and it oh, sounds cool. good. So, I mean, there's definitely better sound systems, but this was cheap, and it does a really good job for the price point and is a lot more cinematic. If you put the bass bin on, you can turn it up a wee bit, you get a bit of that rumble. Okay, um, yeah. Watching movies, things like that, it's good. It gives it a bit more immersion. It, it, I really enjoyed watching films and TV shows with it, so um, yeah, it's, it's a good awesome. investment for me. I, I, I'm actually making a note that I might ha- try this somewhere. I might go and see if I can get into immersive sound. Well, this is, see, a sound bar is all one, it's monodirectional. Sure, so they sure, have sure, different sure. ones, they're all in front of you. Um, so maybe that would be more to your liking. I'll, yeah. I'll send you a link to the one that I got, and yeah, you can cool. see it is very, very cheap. Alrighty then. So, uh, parish notices and life changes now that you finish shopping? <laughs> Not really, no. I mean, I'm going to paint my fridge, and uh, yeah, I'm going to get a coffee machine. I'm, yeah, I'm stupidly excited about the coffee machine. I shouldn't be. That's sad, but I'm very, very excited. Yeah, I, I, I'm a convert. I've got several. Um, I don't mean that to sound as crappy as it did, but um, I have one in the office. In, oh, well, I'll talk about that in a minute. The office in uh, England. I have one uh, down here, not in my office, but adjacent to my office. Uh, and we have one upstairs. And uh, yeah, fantastic things. You should be excited. Proper coffee. <laughs> Two proper coffees a day is better than 10 bad coffees a day. Agreed. Um, so, yeah, no, you should be excited about it. Well, I've got one, and I'm also looking at my glass thinking I've got to put ice in it. So I'll tell you my story, and yeah. then I will go and put ice in. So do you remember Maria? Maria, the 19-euro policewoman. <laughs> yes. The fine that she gave you was 19 euros. 19 euros. She, she fined me. Yes, yes, well clarified. Thank you. Um, the following day, and you could not make this stuff up, she walked into the very shopping mall and approached the very stall that my wife was working on. <laughs> And they had one of those little impromptu reunions that nice people can do. I mean, I probably would have been tempted to punch her, but my wife is nicer than me, and she just smiled and said, hello, how are you doing? And they had little chats, and and Maria once again apologised profusely for having find us, uh, and explained that, you know, her supervisor was there, and there was no real way of getting round it. Um, And and were we okay, and, and was it? All right. And, and Margaret obviously went, Look, it's fine. You were doing your job. You don't need to apologize for that. We were going too fast. That's okay. It's, it's all right. Uh, and Margaret tells me that she was tempted to overcharge Maria by 19 euros, but she didn't. <laughs> oh, sorry. My supervisor's here. <laughs> Which, I, 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 uh, Teresa said it in the Slack. Uh, the best ending to a story ever and it's entirely true i haven't made any of that up just absolutely astonishing uh, <laughs> the joys of living on a small island i suppose yeah fancy seeing you here bizarre right well here we are we're at that moment where dave tubbins probably thinking yeah it's enough now uh, I, I need to go to bed uh it's time for the three pin plug and in a change to our usual schedule because i need ice TJ, where can people find you on the internet? So, my name is TJ Cosgrove, and you can find me on Instagram 
and YouTube primarily. I make Wooden Graphite, which is the number two pencil-based video channel on the internet. It's essentially a YouTube channel about pencils and paper and analog things. And if you like this podcast, you probably will like some of the videos that I make. You can watch them on YouTube. You just got to search it, Wood and Graphite. But I also post on Instagram and throw things up there now and again. And very occasionally put things on Facebook, but primarily Instagram for the socials and YouTube for the content. Um, And if you like what you listen to here, you're going to like what you see there. Excellent. Well, I'm Stuart, or Stu Lennon, as I'm known on, um, I suppose, Facebook and Instagram. I have a website, stuartlennon.com, where I I essentially write about being me, uh, which you may find interesting, you may find deadly boring. Um, I talk a lot about writing because that's really what I try and do the most of, uh, is to write stuff. And at the moment, I'm doing a series of posts about uh, being... uh, Oh, I suppose a solopreneur is the buzzword. Uh, Going solo, working for myself, which is something I do in many different spheres. Uh, You can become a member there, or you can just go along and read it. Uh, There are some perks to being a member, but yeah, go and check it out. StuartLandon.com. If you're interested, become a member. Uh, I also run a little company called uh, Nero's Notes. Uh, which is nerosnotes.co.uk, where you can buy notebooks from around the world. You can buy subscriptions to notebooks from around the world, where I will send you each quarter either a, a pocket set or a desk set or Nero's surprise set, depending on which one you choose. You can choose to have all three, which means that you get notebooks every month, or you can just choose whatever your thing is. Um, we are a very small very independent company where there's a, a wonderful woman called Claire who does all the work uh, and there's me. Um, Claire's in the UK. She dispatches your notebooks pretty much the day after you've ordered them. Uh, she dispatches them in a way unique to her. Uh, I'm very happy to say that our packages are the best in the business with a yep. shadow of a doubt. I can follow um, that up 100%. Field notes, Blackwing, nowhere near us. Trust me on this. Um, there you go. That's that's where you can find us. If you uh, if you want to support this podcast, you can go along to Nero's Notes and you can buy uh, 1857 branded merchandise. Wow, isn't that cool? When I say branded merchandise, I mean pencils and notebooks. It's not necessarily that exciting, but it, it is to us. Uh, yeah. And... Maybe we'll do a t-shirt. Maybe we'll do socks. I don't know. Yeah, yeah golf, we might do golf stuff. Golf club covers. Yeah. Oh, all those kind of things. We might. <laughs> we might expand as we take over the world. Um, but if you do go and buy those things, then the profit from them is uh, used to fund the costs of producing the podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you'd like to support 1857 directly, then uh, you can do that in several ways. One, you can go to 1857.co.uk and there's a little button that says Donate. I'm going to assume you can work the rest out for yourself. Uh, you can also uh, just review us on iTunes, which may or may not be important. Nobody knows. Uh, but most importantly, you can say to people, hey, maybe you should listen to that podcast. Maybe you'd enjoy that podcast. Uh, we do this because we really enjoy doing it. Uh, hopefully you listen to it because you enjoy listening to it. Or maybe somebody else would too. So that's the end of the three-pin plug. Okay, we've done mm-hmm. 1857, we've done wooden graphite, we've done uh, 
Nero's Notes and StuartLennon.com. But we're also going to do now the fourth pin. Pin <gasps> number four. Pin. This was an email that we got um, from, well, it's, it's a bit weird. It's Izod, Izod-Pen, is that it, I think? Mm-hmm. Um, it's the Capital Pen Show 2020. So, the capital referred to is uh, the capital of A, England, and B, the United Kingdom, <laughs> London, uh, where... London. London, innit? All right. Where there's going to be, I think it's penciled in for June or July of 2020, um, the Capital Pen Show. Uh, now, the easiest way to find out about this is to follow Capital Pen Show, all one word, uh, on Instagram. And the gentleman behind it is um, Izod underscore pens, which is, I oh, how would you describe it? It's a used pen emporium, I suppose, isn't it? Hmm. Um, it's mostly about fountain pens. I'm just pulling up. Uh, Roy van den Brink Budgen, or Budgen, uh, which sounds a good. tad European to me. Um <laughs> Uh, he's putting together this show. Um, it was mentioned on our Slack channel, the 1857 Slack channel, uh, which mm-hmm. if you want to join, just get in touch with TJ or I and we'll, we'll send you an invite. Um, it was mentioned by Gemma that uh, she'd seen this, that there was going to be a show. And uh, let me quote directly. Uh, the reason for putting on the show is to take the best of the existing UK offering and then add in aspects that are relevant to the wider pen community including workshops, presentations, exclusive products, catch-up areas, and generally more applicable for the modern pen world. Uh, I responded to that. uh, TJ and I had a chat, and I responded to that earlier on this evening. Um, Yeah, fantastic. What a great idea. Mm. Um, We really want to um, into that type of thing. We think that's exactly what this should be about what the pen community is about, should be about. We've talked about it before, pen shows in the UK. And as I'm speaking to you, the reason that I'm losing my thread is not that I've had too much brandy, although that's always possible. It's that I've actually got a response from from Roy uh, to the email. Um, uh, so I, I'm just reading which bits I want to release and which bits I don't. <laughs> um, <laughs> All right, so uh, I'm really keen, this is Roy speaking, I'm really keen to make this a real flagship show, which isn't just limited to table after table of pens. It's going to have workshops, presentations, blogger Q&A panels, etc., etc., etc. I mean, we have thousands of ink colours to choose from, so why make a show and just use one? Uh, so he's then told me something which I was about to tell you, but it says, although not announced yet, so I may as well shut up and not say anything else about that. <laughs> um, it's very dangerous reading emails live. <laughs> it is a little, isn't it? Um, it's not actually live, teacher. You can actually edit this out if what? I get it wrong. What? Shush. No, I can't. Now I've got to leave this in. You're giving me more edits. <laughs> the venue should be confirmed this week, so we will catch up then and hatch a plan. Hmm... Um, since the announcement, I've been really excited about what I'm trying to do, and I'm delighted that you guys want to be with uh, involved with it. So, yeah, I think we're going to be working with with Roy on this. Um, 
Uh, Nero's Notes, full disclosure, I am a member of uh, WES, the writing equipment show, who do uh, the fan shows in the UK, and I will continue to be so. Um, I think there's room for, for more than one purveyor of pen shows in this market, and uh, yeah, I'm much, just as I support those uh, WES shows, I'm going to support this new one, and I think mm. you guys might want to too. So I that's all be very for exciting, a trip isn't it? to the big smoke. Yeah. Well, one of the things I've suggested is that, you know, maybe maybe we could do a show there, TJ. What do you think? Yeah, I think live live London. That could work. Mm. Play Wembley. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> of course, he may, he may come back with a venue. That, oh, no. No, I can't go there. Can't positively go there. <laughs> I only play crowds of 40,000 or more, I'm afraid. <laughs> yes, exactly. I, it will be business class, obviously. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes, all my brine M and M's in a bowl. Okay, well there we are. So uh, that's exciting. I, I think you know, uh, uh, there's been lots said about uh, UK pen shows, and uh, you know, Mike and uh, Brad on the Pen Addicts have, have talked about them sort of extensively. Mm. Uh, you know, this is somebody who's uh, well, Frank. He's sticking his neck out and. He's going to step up to the plate and doing something. Yeah, he's cool. going to ruff, ruffle some feathers. So fair enough. Let's let's go ruffling. I do like a bit of ruffling. <laughs> now this must be the longest pre-show in history. This How- is an over an hour pre-show. This is long. So if you don't like long episodes, sorry. If you do, you're welcome. Uh, but otherwise, I think we've eventually reached the topic. Yeah, I think this is a sort of you know go to work episode and a go home from work episode you've got the pre-show on your way yeah. in and now you've got a slightly Content different tone home. in fairness uh, <laughs> and the main topic because i have to say i'm feeling very positive now that could be the branding um it could also be tj's uh, company conversation uh, and the fact that you guys are listening because i titled today's episode as <laughs> i i put a title down right i put cathartic mm. moaning as the title of this episode sort of tentatively and you because that i thought was kind of funny and then you changed it to another title which is a far better title but Mm. is so dark like mine was pg-13 yours is r the unbearable overhead of living yeah um (laughs) uh, did you get the reference or is this an age thing no No, i don't uh there's a uh a novel by uh milan kundera called The Unbearable Lightness of Being. Uh, it's it's not an easy read, I would say. Uh, it's a bit like watching a Tarantino movie. You, you have to sort of put stuff in to, to get stuff out. It's, it's, not, it's not an easy read. Um, if, yeah. if you like Lee Child, you're probably not going to like Milan Kundera. Um, <laughs> however, it is worth having a look at. If you're feeling literary, have a read of that. Um, but yes, the unbearable overhead of living. It's, what can I say? Look, I've I've been travelling, all right, and uh, again the whole sort of you know white male middle class privilege thing. Yeah, I get that. Okay, sorry, I can't help it. I am white male middle class and privileged. But one of the things that that I used to do a lot of was travel. So I used to get on airplanes all the time to go to different cities and just sort of wander around telling people what to do, where they were right, where they were wrong, doing sales stuff, doing management, doing compliance, all sorts of good jazz. And I did that all over Europe, 
and slightly wider. Now I do it less. Okay, so uh, as people who follow the podcast will know, Claire looks after Nero's notes back in the UK. Um, I don't ever sort of tell Claire what to do because A, I'm frightened of her, uh, and B, <laughs> she she kind of knows what she's doing. Yeah, yeah. Um, Nero's notes. She's got a time. Claire is the rock upon which Nero's notes is built. Uh, my other business uh, is anti-money laundering consultancy. Um, I know stuff about anti-money laundering. And yes, that does mean I know stuff about money laundering, but that's that's a different thing. Um, and I have to go now and again and look after some clients. So generally I go back to the UK. I have a few clients there that I advise. Um, and I do things called stress tests where I look at their systems and all this stuff. In the past, when I was corporate Cobra wearing a tie, if the flight was more than four hours, then the rule that we had in our company was that you sat at the front. You got a business class seat. If it was less than four hours, you sat at the back. So moving to Cyprus, great five-hour flight. I can always sit at the front. Yay! Now, clearly, it's my own money. <laughs> which is, is maybe something... Yeah, which is maybe something I should consider before making those decisions. But... Look, if you choose to buy to to fly business class, it's because you quite like the idea of flying business class. Um, I can give you all the arguments as to why it's a very good idea and why it's very productive and very effective. Blah blah blah. blah, blah. But at the end of the day, it's about you know, yeah, I kind of feel special. But there comes a time, either in life or in your career, when you go, Do you know what, this is this is pointless. And the reality for me is that the flag airlines are competing with the low-cost airlines. And so the joy of being a business-class passenger on British Airways, you now feel like you've just got the front seat of the bus. There is, <laughs> there's, no real, there's no real difference. Yeah. Where there is a difference is in price. So a business-class ticket, still Europe is about well, I don't know, three or four times the price of an economy-class ticket. So I now fly on a low-cost airline, um, cheap as chips. I try and book a long way in advance so I get it even cheaper. Uh, and this was the first first flight I had with this uh, particular airline. It would be unfair to name or to say that they're orange and called EasyJet. That, this wouldn't be fair. <laughs> but <laughs> I went to Paphos Airport and uh, went to the gate to, to queue, as you do. And then the doors opened and they announced that we we're boarding through 15. Oh, fantastic. This is great. And they made us walk out of this beautiful air-conditioned airport into the heat of a Cypress summer. So that's, I don't know, uh, in the shade 105 uh, Fahrenheit. So 38, 39, 40 uh, plus 120 in the sun. I mean, hot. And they walked us into what can only be described as a concrete cattle shed which provided some shade, particularly if you're at the front of the queue. If you're at the back of the queue, tough. You're standing in the sun. And they had, oh, this was wonderful, they had two fans mounted up in the corners of this room. So the room is like the size of a football pitch with two little fans whirring in the corner. I mean, totally ineffective. And it brought to mind, and this is a very unfair reference, and I apologise in advance for it, but it brought to mind being herded onto some sort of train for... 
you know, evil events to unfold. I was like, wow, this is horrible. As we were all crammed up together in this little concrete holding pen, I was like, this is awful. And then I look back and I see the people actually standing in the sun and they're traveling. So they've got, you know, bags over each shoulder and children under each yeah. arm. And I'm just thinking, this is revolting. And the reason they do it is because they can get you on the airplane quicker, they think, if you're in a little holding pen right next to the airplane. So after, I mean, it wasn't a huge delay, but after 10 minutes, we're then herded onto the aircraft. And I, I really am feeling like cattle at this point. And you get onto the aircraft, and because of the temperature change between the inside of the aircraft and the outside of the aircraft, where the air conditioning vents run along, you know, the top of the seats there, there was uh -huh. smoke pouring out of them, vapour. <laughs> bearing in mind the analogy that was already in my mind, I was like, oh my God, this is horrific. This is horrible. I mean, it was nice because it was cool. And everybody at this point is now sweating like a, well, like a pig, if you'll excuse the expression. And so anyway, we, we all get seated and blah, blah, blah. And then, because I listened to Mr. Cosgrove, I have... Um, noise cancelling headphones, which I put over my head, and, boof, <laughs> and the, the whole world goes away. But it was like, oh wow, this is horrific! It's, I couldn't believe it. And then you know all the stuff about kids and you know running up and down the aircraft. I don't have a problem with that. Kids are kids, and kids will be kids when they're sitting on your lap or sitting behind you and kicking you in the back. Do you know what? That that's life. I, I don't get too stressed about it. But anyway, I was sitting there writing notes furiously. If you think, if you listen to the Take Note podcast, I was there saying, what you got? <laughs> what have I got for you about flying? Page upon page <laughs> upon page of notes. And then I landed in Luton. Now, I've never been to Luton. I've been to Luton Airport a couple of times, and Luton Airport is an excellent airport. But I'd hired a car for the UK. And I walked out thinking okay there will be some signs that say car hire and you go to the car hire desk and you say hi i'm here i've got a reservation give me my car nothing so so i cleared <laughs> i cleared the airport to the extent i was actually outside going ah rain i remember that still no idea and before me is i'm, I'm in a bus station now right, okay right good so I walked back in, found some information fellow and said, I say, my good man, or worse to that effect, where do I go for car? What you need to do, Gizar, is stop B, get a bus there that says staff and car hire. Right. Okay. Fair enough. How I was supposed to ascertain that on my own, I have no idea. But anyway, went down there, got on the bus. 15 minutes on the bus. <laughs> To get to so the, you're not in London. <laughs> to get to the car hire desk. 50, honestly, I'm not even sure it was in the same county. Right. <laughs> so I get there. I'm thinking, okay, look, I'm an experienced and uh, you know, well-traveled man. There's no, no point in getting stressed. <laughs> I say, my good man, Lennon, got a car for me? Certainly we do, sir. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a box of Lystra, blah, 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 blah. Okay. Actually, I, I was going to mention that when I booked the car, you see, I was feeling a bit thrifty because the client was paying for, you know, some of it. So I, so I got the, uh, the basic one. I, I was wondering, would you be able to upgrade me or how much would it cost me to upgrade to an automatic transmission? 
Now, the reason I was saying that is because I've been driving automatics now for 10 years. And so I, it occurred to me that driving in a country that is now a little unfamiliar to me, at least, with a clutch was going to present challenges of its own. Now, I paid £99 for six days car, which I think is a very good deal. I think you can argue yeah. with that. Oh, lovely. With £15 a day, give or take. An automatic, sir? Yes, certainly. It'll be a £140 upgrade. Pardon? <laughs> I said, was it? A Mercedes? It's a Golf. Do you come with the car? Are you just there pushing the clutch it's for a, me? I said, it, it, it's a Golf. It's a hundred. I only paid £99. Did you? That was a very good deal. I said, well, uh, yes, I thought so. But an extra hundred. Do you know what? It's your clutch. Fine. I'll 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 take the one that I've got. Then I got to the car. Excuse me. My I say, my good man, come here. Uh is there not a, a sat nav in the car? Oh no 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 no. So that's a hundred pounds. What? I don't want to buy it. I just want to rent it. No no, it's hundred. Don't be silly. I responded. I said, okay, well, just give me a clip so that I can put my phone on the uh, on the dashboard there. Oh, no, we don't have any of those. What? Are you telling me that it's not occurred to you that people might want to put their mobile phone onto the dashboard? I mean, I've been away for a year, but have mobile phones been <laughs> unadopted in the United Kingdom? Has nobody used them anymore? <laughs> I don't... Okay, call me old and call me the old man shouting at the internet, but really? This is, surely this is a car, this is a safety thing, is it not? Should there not be a little clip there saying, just in case you're stupid enough to look at a maps thing on your phone? Because, I mean, who would do that? Oh, oh, everybody does that. Um, Here's a clip. So I had to go to the service station to buy a clip, which in itself was entertaining, because as I came off the motorway, the car started just juddering and juddering and shaking and and it took about oh I don't know three minutes for you to go oh clutch gears as I bunny hopped down the service exit <laughs> yeah so R.I.P. the clutch of that car well yeah if you get a Vauxhall Astra for Europe car I'm just saying be careful um but look the car was great it's just those little things that I yeah I used to the sort experience. Of, there used to be no problem to me. But I was just like, well, hang on, that's surely that's a safety thing. I know they want to upsell me a, a, a sat-nav, okay? But bearing in mind that everybody, I mean, everybody that's hiring a car has got a sat-nav in their pocket. Give it up. Just put clips in your car and say, we at Europe Car provide you with free clips so that you can attach your mobile device and use that as a sat-nav. I mean, why wouldn't you do that? Because you want me to have the phone on my seat and, and be looking at that and crash your expensive car? I mean, yeah. <laughs> Just, it annoyed me. It, it annoyed me, TJ. And then I had a very nice trip. I had to go and watch football, which was difficult. <laughs> because I'm sure you understood more than I would have. Well, the, how can I put this right? The company that uh, was taking me, are um they're a company in the northeast of England. I'm not going to name them because that wouldn't be fair, but they're in the northeast of England and and th- that's where they were born, and that's where they grew from and and they're quite a big outfit now. Very well run, very well managed. Uh but they're local guys. 
and their team is Middlesbrough. And Middlesbrough uh, is it's a city I, I don't know at all. Um, and it has a football team that doesn't know anything about football, as far as I can ascertain. Um, they're, they're in free fall. They're, they're not in, in the top division. They're not in the next one either. Ah, um, no, I think they maybe are. Maybe they are in the championship. I don't know, but we're going to take you to the football on Tuesday. Oh, well, thank you very much. I'm I'm culturally aware enough to know that this is a big deal. Okay, I'm going. I'm going. I'm in the box. I'm in a box with you know meal and drinks and corporate entertainment and lovely what and yes, you can wear anything you like as long as it's not jeans. That sort of thing. Oh, okay, right, okay. I'll just throw these jeans away that I was going to wear and I'll put my suit back on. Lovely. (laughs) Um, So it's a big deal. And all the people that I'm there who are, you know, various levels of management, um, they're interested. They they kind of want their team to win. And their team played really badly. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm sitting there going, hmm, okay. Because there's another really curious rule. You get to the box and it's lovely. You're in this box and you've got you've got TV screens showing you all the the stuff that's going on in the rest of the world and the odds. And there's a, a lovely lady coming along saying, "What do you want to drink?" and bringing you, well, in my case, as much beer as I could handle. And uh, we're chatting away, we're having this lovely meal. And there's a door at one end of the box where you come in, and the waitress comes in and keeps bringing you beer. And then there's sort of sliding doors at the other end, which takes you out into the seats that are pitch side. You know that you can watch the game. And uh, she came and she closed the doors. What did you do that for? You're, you're drinking. Sorry? Uh, you're not allowed to drink alcohol in the ground, but you can drink alcohol in the boxes. <laughs> right. Okay. So it, it's it's this sort of barrier, you know, lest the poor people sort of storm the barricades and say, give me a beer. We have to have, <laughs> we have, to have the doors closed. And then you finish your beer and then you go out and we... We did this. We all sort of just went out and then sat in our, our seats along with everyone else to watch the game. And I thought, well, that's, that's a bit divisive. I mean, in rugby, you sit, you know, wherever you want and you, you have a, a, admittedly a plastic um, a plastic glass, but you sit there with your beer and watch the game. So I'm, I, I was permanently torn. I'm there watching football thinking, hmm, yes, it's not a very good game, football. I don't like it. And these people aren't very good at it. That that was kind of what I was thinking. I'd much <laughs> rather be in there having a beer. Just going to the bathroom, folks. Uh, back yeah. in 40, how am, uh, 50 how minutes. How are my hosts who are transfixed and enthused and, and completely absorbed in this battle royale going on on the pitch going to feel if I just go in there and drink 17 pints okay uh, I'm just going to sit here and try not to say anything sarcastic and <laughs> at the end of it I felt really sad because the, the team uh, Middlesbrough were playing a team a couple of divisions below them so team they should it was a cup match Teams they a team they should expect to beat uh, and they were the, the lower division team who were uh, get this crew Alexandra um were pretty much wiping the floor with Middlesbrough. They were outplaying them. But somehow or other, in the sort of dying moments, Middlesbrough kind of woke up and managed to manufacture a draw. And I could see that all the guys I were with were so invested in this. And it's like, 
Oh, thank heavens for that. My team isn't completely useless. They've just... Uh, they're coming. Okay, okay. Penalty shootout. And the Middlesbrough centre-forward, the goal-scorer, the man extraordinaire, stepped up to take the first penalty. And frankly, TJ, you would have done better. I am not insulted. I agree. It was appalling. <laughs> I was looking at that thinking, good Lord, dig up my grandmother. She could kick a ball better than that. Penalty missed. <laughs> the whole ground, everybody in the ground knew instantly that Middlesbrough were going to lose that penalty shoot. So I, I don't know how they knew that, but they did. And the whole mood, which had suddenly got quite high, just went... <sighs> and... You, I, look, my temptation is to sort of turn yeah. to everybody going, God, your team's crap. And, and <laughs> Which will go one of two ways. Well, yeah, I mean, in terms of, of, of you know, corporate stuff, that's not a very clever thing to do. Somebody's paying you. But also, I just looked and I thought, oh, why are they really doing it? I, I came up, there'd been a sort of lame running joke that Middlesbrough weren't very good at football, and but the food was really good. And so I, I looked to my host and went, well, the food was excellent. And he, <laughs> he, he had the grace to look at me and just laugh and go, you're absolutely right. Um, but so I that like the, the Mrs. Lincoln, well, apart from that, how was the show? Yeah, kind of, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, in fairness, I, I should point out that yesterday, as we record, um, Middlesbrough recorded their first win of the season. Um Apparently, they didn't deserve it, but they got the goal and they won. So, fantastic. Well done. <laughs> Undeserved and disappointing. That's that's the legacy you want to leave. So, without getting into a complete travelogue about the rest of my trip, I, I then went down south and I saw my mum and I saw Claire and all sorts of great stuff. Uh, and then uh, when I landed here, well, the flight back was... You know, well, there were less holding pens, so I was pleased about that. Um the plan was that I phoned Margaret, and uh, as as we thought might be the case, she was at a she was at a party, which is again just the type of life we lead, you know. Hashtag living the dream. Um, <laughs> and she's like, "Will you come?" And it's a pool party, so um, she'd forgotten to bring my trunks, which I think was a relief for everyone. Uh, but we got there, and it's it's friends of ours who live quite locally, and they've got a house with a pool and. Um, what do you call it? A hot tub. Uh, and in their garden, they've got a bar. So it's like, Ooh, yeah, you nice. guys, you guys are doing this living the dream thing, right? Hashtag living the dream. Exactly. So, oh, Stuart, you came. Yeah, yeah. I'm just off the plane. How's everybody doing? Yeah, I'll have a beer. Okay, bubble. So I'm having a cold beer. I'm thinking, do you know what? Hey, life is good. So we go home at the end of the, of the evening. It was all fine. And... Uh, the main entrance to my house is just outside my office here. It's a metal door in a carport, at least to a staircase that goes up into that. May have talked about it before. The handle of that door had been a bit sort of problematic over the last month or so. And while I was away, Margaret says to me, it's getting worse, that door. And so as I opened it, I went, oh, it's getting worse, that door. It was a bit sticky. Hmm, okay. So Monday, I went to golf, saw, saw my buddies... Guys, anybody know a decent locksmith? Because something not quite right at my door handle. I I, I locked it uh, to come to come here, but uh, do you know what? I think it's going to be difficult to open. 
Yep, got a couple of numbers, made a few calls, somebody coming up. He phoned me in the car. He said, look, before I come up, because there's going to be a call-out charge, you might want to just pull the thing out and unscrew this because there might be an adjustment screw on the lock. Okay, great. Okay, I'll have a look at that. Door went open. Ah, ah, door went Ah, ah. Sorry, Margaret, it's okay. We knew this would happen, so we left one of the other doors upstairs open, didn't we? That's correct, so we'll go upstairs. So I come downstairs thinking, right, I've got to just, I've just got to nudge this open. And by nudge, I mean throw 120 kilos or 20 stones at it really hard. I me. <laughs> throw yourself at the door. Because uh, that's how I'd opened it before. The door's mostly metal, but quite a lot of it is glass. Ah. Yeah. So that pain is now a thing of the past. It's, it's good to know that my, <laughs> my shoulders are still up to it. Um, they're also covered in shards of glass, but hey, that's just one of the occupational hazards of throwing yourself a glass. Hashtag door. living the dream. Yeah, quite. Um, so I phoned the, uh, the locksmith. I said, uh, well, yep, yeah, yeah, I tried to, to do that adjustment you suggested. Unfortunately, I can't get the door open. And now the glass is smashed. They went, um, okay, so I suppose the uh, the call-out fee is justified. I'll, I'll be up there. So he came up and essentially broke the door the same as I could have broken the door. Replaced the lock, bum, 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 fix that, fix that. Found a glazier, and it's closed. Sorry? No glass. What do you mean, no glass? Cyprus, it's holiday. Well, I appreciate it's holiday, mate, but I've got a door with no glass. I need to get some glass in my door. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it's close. When are you open again? 27. What? So for an entire week... Six. A week. You can't get glass. <laughs> Cardboard. Mm-hmm. And the guy I was talking to um, is... Uh, I, again, one of my friends had come up with a number. He's a glazier. So I phoned him and said, so you can hear me? He said, no, it'll be closed, mate. <laughs> it's a holiday. Up, I can come up and, uh, <laughs> and put a bit of plywood in there for you. And I said, well, the outer pane of the glass, because it's, you know, it's a, a double glazed thing, is fine. He said, well, it's no point in putting any wood there, is it? Give it the same. Right. Good. So you can't organise any... No, mate. No, mate. It'll be nothing. Nothing till the 28th, all right? Okay, fair enough, fine. So, I actually, this is where uh, drinking so much wine comes in handy. I've got a lot of wine boxes. I broke a few up and I've, I've done a very nice little <laughs> patching up job. You'd be, you'd be proud of me, TJ, honestly. Good. I was just like, oh my God. How can life be so difficult? Just, all, all I did was went away for a bit of a business trip. And, oh. Come back in chaos. While I was away, last time I went away, there was the Nero story episode. I don't know, whatever. But, you know, we uh, very, very, uh, it was horrible for Margaret. While I was away, things went wrong. My dog got attacked. Uh, you either know the story or you don't. But anyway, it wasn't nice. This time, which is nearly a year now, I've, I've, you know, I've engineered, I've worked really hard not to go away as much as I can, because I appreciate that Margaret's going to have loads of anxiety about me going away. So the minute I left, the place burst into bloody flames. 
<laughs> in fairness, Cyprus does often have wildfires. You know, it's a very hot place. It's very dry. And people are, uh, how can I put this? Stupid. So nearly always these fires are started by humans, either throwing a cigarette butt out of a window, uh, you know, of a car as they drive, or doing something just mind-blowingly stupid. So while I was away, just up the road from us, near my favourite um, uh, vineyard where I get my wine, somebody, it is alleged, with the start of the hunting season coming, wanted to burn off some cover so that there weren't places for these birds, game birds, guinea fowl, if you like, to, to hide. And it didn't occur to him that fires are quite easy to start and, and somewhat harder to stop. So right in the middle of the, the heritage site that is the wine centre of Cyprus, two and a half square kilometres burnt to the ground. <laughs> there were... Oh, no. Helicopters from the Royal Air Force, helicopters from Cyprus, helicopters from Israel, uh, lots of volunteer firemen putting their lives at risk, trying to put this fire out. Uh, a couple of villages were evacuated. Uh, one elderly person died. Um, electricity pylons were brought down because somebody thought, hey, I take away the, the bushes so the birds, uh, they know hide. He was arrested and then released without charge. There's nobody proved. And this happens every year. And again, I'm at that point now where I'm shouting at the walls. You know, how can people be so stupid to do stuff like that? Then, <sighs> then, I got a cold. <laughs> the worst of all. <laughs> and I'm convinced that sitting on airplanes is is what causes this, but it's, uh, uh, what's this in Fahrenheit? It's 90 plus Fahrenheit. Humidity is 85%. I'm a hot, sweaty mess who needs to carry a handkerchief. I need tissues. I should be drinking hot lemon. It's, uh, it's, it's just too bizarre. I, oh. oh, So I'm feeling miserable and I'm a man. So when I've got a cold, it's man flu. It's the end of the world. And oh, Yeah, oh, oh, it's deadly. Oh. Look, I've just had new locks put in this door that I've got to get fixed. All right, I'll go down and get some keys cut for the lock. Okay, three three keys, f- four euros fifty. Thank you very much, Davros. You're a good man. If Faristo Palapoli, I'll just go home and test it. The keys don't work. Okay, I'll go back down the mountain, half an hour drive. Stavros, these keys. Uh, how you saying Greek? No, bloody work. Oh, so he takes them away and he puts them on. Now they work. Okay, come back up. Two of them now work. So it's only taken me an hour's driving, two visits to get two (laughs) of my three keys. Of three. And as Margaret says, I bet you're frustrated. And I went, no, no, it's all part of the Mediterranean experience. Rich tapestry of life, darling. I'm not mad. I'm simply thinking. Now, the final one now in this cathartic unloading upon an unsuspecting podcast audience who probably turned off about 30 <laughs> minutes ago was while I was back in the UK, before I went, I thought, I need 
some golf shoes. Because golf equipment in Cyprus is expensive because it's a small island and not many people play golf. Uh, so it's cheaper in England. Fortunately, as we all know, I've got connections in England and I've got the parcels that come to me regularly. So I sent an email to my old golf club, which I was going back to visit, to the pro, who's essentially an independent trader, and said, look, this is the style of golf shoe I like, this is the manufacturer I like, and these are the sizes that kind of work. Now, the reason that, that golf shoes are important is that you walk, give or take, six, seven miles uh, playing around Oof. in golf. So your shoes need to fit. <laughs> If they don't, you'll know about it. So pe golfers get quite particular about those shoes. I get those in, and assuming we can get the right fit, I'll buy a couple of pairs off you. And oh, also, because I'm a left-hander, it's a bit difficult getting the right gloves. Get me some of those. Blah, blah, blah. I was essentially saying to him, here's, I don't know, three, four hundred pounds worth of business. And I'll use you because you're my old golf pro, and I want to support you, and... I don't want to go to the cheapest place, blower, And also, because I want the whole retail experience. I want to try the shoes on and go, yep, these fit, these work, these crap. Okay, Stu, yeah, no problem. When are you coming? Uh, I'm playing golf there on Thursday afternoon. Okay, we'll have all the stuff for you on Thursday. Brilliant. Thursday, before my round, I go in, press the flesh. Hi, guys, how you doing? Yeah, is the stuff right? No, it's arriving, it's arriving at two o'clock. Oh, well, I'll be on the golf course. No problem, we'll wait for you. I come off the golf course, closed. Everything's gone out. Oh. <laughs> well, that's a bit disappointing. Okay, well, never mind. So I then sent an email. He said, yeah, I'm really sorry. I thought thought Harry had told you. Um, the stuff didn't arrive. Oh. Oh, well, that's unfortunate. Can you come in on Saturday? Mm, not really. I'm flying. I can come in tomorrow. Oh, well, that's great. We'll get it in tomorrow. Okay, cool. I'll touch base with you Friday lunchtime. Have you got it? No, it hasn't turned up. Oh, all right then. I can send it to you. Send what to me? The shoes. I said, well, the whole idea was I was going to try them on. <laughs> well, Anyone can send them to me. Yeah. There are many retailers. <laughs> exactly. There are retailers that have an entire business model built on that very principle. Have you heard of the this rainforest in... Uh... South America. They will sell me them. <laughs> and so, I, 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 honestly, that, I was trying to do all the right things, TJ. I was, I was trying to be the right person. That I was, <sighs> and that just made me think, as you get to a certain age, at a certain time in life, you just don't want all these little hassles. It's just like, why should it be... <laughs> So complicated. All I'm trying to do is 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 just live and do nice things. But it was so, oh, it was so. As weeks go, it's been incredibly complicated. Just just a faffy week. Faffy, yes. I mean, the unbearable overhead of living, I think, is is slightly more literary. <laughs> but when you get it's down to so it, so dark. It is faffy. <laughs> it is just faffy. I have something. I have something to complain about because I feel like I should at least have some... I think you've been very patient. I, you've been sitting there for 30 minutes. No, going, no, it's... Will he ever stop? It's more that I need to... I need to just have something like... You've had you do this rousing speech. Very, very interesting. I'm like, I've got something to... Um, so my doorbell, smart doorbell, uh, I can use it to 
few things. Uh, people come to my door, when people don't deliver me packages, all those things. I had several more. I ordered two things. Royal Mail decided behind the black wheelie bin was the best place, despite the fact that I have a dry boiler house, fully accessible. Um, but anyway, uh, my my phone buzzed the other day in work. And I thought, okay, I'll pull this up and have a look. Because it was an odd time. It was about 2 p.m. yesterday, which is, you know, post normally comes about 12. And I wasn't expecting any packages quite yet. So it was like, oh, okay, what's this? And went on. And it was my next door neighbor. And my next door neighbor, every now and again, he cuts the grass at his front garden. And that'll set off the, the motion tracker. And every now and again, he'll maybe go and do something in the front yard and it'll, it'll set it off as well. So it was him. And he was... um. He was staining the fence, painting the fence with wood stain. Now, my driveway is probably four or five car lengths long and then turns left down the side of my house and it runs in front of my neighbor's house. Uh, and so there is a fence on either side and the I'm not sure the legality of this, but there, the fence law that I understand is if the posts are on your side, it's yours. If the posts are on someone else's side, it's theirs. That's kind of the the easy way of looking at it. And so on one side, the posts are mine. And on the other, they are my neighbours. And so he was out painting the front of his house, effectively the right-hand side of my driveway. Um, and he was painting a nice dark stain, looked really clean, looked really neat. And he was painting that. I thought, oh, that's good. And then it only occurred to me afterwards that now my driveway is uneven because half of my driveway has nice dark stained uh, fencing and the other half is old, weathered, unstained fencing this will not stand this has already driven me nuts coming home going that looks awesome that looks awful why is there a disparity here so now i'm obligated to paint my fence my neighbor has obligated me and that's fine that's fine is this I had the, actually, the lack of symmetry that's, that's yeah oh my goodness you. so bad yes i like this is the thing i wanted to paint it all black anyway given the chance i will paint everything black and gray and i was like meg front fences black no no that's too dark oh okay well maybe maybe the back fences no it's too dark okay darling okay yeah we'll we'll paint something else and then my neighbor dark 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 brown effectively black from sta- like six or seven feet away yeah, oh it looks good give it a month or two and it, it won't be that color again <laughs> no but now I, it's stained so I had, I had bought sort of dark brown stain to, to do these and now I, half of it's done in a different color. So I'm going to have to go and ask my neighbor, hello, just wanted to, to say the fence looks great. Just want to get the name of the, the, the run seal, whatever you used, so I can match mine um, and I can paint my side the same because it looks really good and want it, want it to sort of all match in. So I've got to go have that awkward conversation. But the real reason for that awkward conversation is not because I, I wanted to match, but also there's a few bits that are quite poorly painted. Um, my he painted both sides of the fence which is good so it's not just like mine is half painted and the, the side that faces me is not but there's a few spots that are a wee bit slapdash and I, I have video footage of him doing this it's very much a whap the paintbrush into the pot and then just back and forth it was quite a robust speed at which this was put on I, I get the impression he wasn't particularly enamored at having to do it um, and so there's a lot of gaps. And so I'm going to have to try and secretly touch this up because it will drive me nuts knowing that this is not painted right. So he's going to watch me paint my side of the fence and then come back over and repaint 
his side of the fence because it's not quite up to my standards. Well, I'm sure you'll do that sort of Irish charm thing and say, ah, well, to be sure, I was here. I thought I'd just whap another coat on sort of thing. <laughs> well, we'll see. But yeah, I can see him going, well, it's already done. Like, well, you might think that. Well, yeah, but he'll have that sort of Irish pragmatism and go, well, if he wants to wander up and down and paint my fence, maybe I won't need to do it again. Yeah. Maybe he'll do the whole thing next time. (laughs) So, yeah, I don't have any real qualms on the level of yours. That was a good list of things. I feel like you're probably a little lighter now for having got some of those off your chest. It's weird. Like I said, I used to love travel, and um, I still do. It's just, I suppose, with a bit of experience and a little bit of... um, Age is probably not the right word, but I look at it and I go, Why? More than I used to. <laughs> so, you know, with the, with the whole boarding thing, I understand what uh, Paphos Airport is trying to do. Paphos is a very small airport. And um, the, you know, the new airlines, the, the low-cost airlines, mean that it, it's handling many more flights than it used to. And by utilising that massive apron of concrete in the sun as a holding area rather than the small sort of air-conditioned building, you, you can, you know, improve your traffic flow. But you're doing it by putting, you know, fee-paying passengers out into what effectively looks like a, a sort of train transport. I mean, it's horrible. And I just think, well, you could do that a different way. You, you could just, yeah, you could just flip that a little bit and make it a much more enjoyable experience for everyone. And then the car stuff. I'm just saying, really, really. You don't want to provide things that are going to make people feel good about you as a company. <laughs> Why? And then when people set fire to places, that just annoys me all the time. I don't think that's anything to do with it. Well, that's just that's just bad business. Don't be a bad bloke. Yeah, and uh, you know, uh, I say people. Uh, we weren't. It was above us, and so as I kept saying to Margaret, you know, fire tends to go up. You, you don't need to be unduly concerned about it coming down. Um. But, you know, there were villages evacuated. There were people who, you know, had to go and stay with friends and thought the houses were going to burn down. And, and all because somebody was stupid. You know, so, oh. And I, I don't know if you know, but at the moment, most of the world is on fire. There's a cloud yeah. over over uh, Siberia uh, of smoke that is the, is larger than the European Union. Oh wow! No, that is big. That's a proper big. It isn't cloud. small. Um, Tenerife's on fire. Um, parts of Greece are on fire. Uh, certainly, parts of Cyprus are perpetually on fire. It's a real, real big thing. Um, you know, I know the states has had huge wildfire problems, and it's getting worse and worse and worse and worse. And yet, that thing about the European Union thing—the you know—the cloud over. Siberia. I didn't see that on any mainstream news. No, I've seen a, a few bits, but not on BBC. Yeah, it's like yeah. So half the half the half the planet's on fire. Well, that's not really newsworthy, is it? Hmm. <laughs> Strange. Anyway, it's been an hour and forty-seven minutes. Good God, I wonder if there's anybody still listening. Hello. <laughs> Hello, if you're still there, and there's not much point in saying goodbye if you ain't. <laughs> so at this point given that it's uh an hour and 40 here we go one Chunky two up. three 48 minutes um 
it remains only for me to say I've been Stu Lennon. And I've been TJ Cosgrove. Remember to make the past, the present, in the future. This was 1857.